Ladies and gentlemen, welcome everybody to episode 15 of Leaving Your Legacy here on the Cliff Notes Podcast. My guest at this time, he's one of my heavy hitters that I have on. He is for sure going to bring the juice. He is a former coach, a former head coach at Missouri Western, and just coming off an NCAA tournament run with his new team that is an assistant of the Wyoming Cowboys. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sundance Wicks to the Cliff Notes Podcast. Coach, how are you? Oh my God. I mean, just talking about goosebumps right now. Like, let's go out and play, brother. Like, that is the best introduction to a podcast I think I've ever been on. Hands down. That's not even close. It's, there's nobody who could, who could bring me out ready to go in a starting lineup like that. I mean, I'm going to hire you as my, pers- my personal hype man, big dog. Well, Coach, let me um, let me get a first uh, class ticket to Wyoming, and I'll come out and I'll play one on one with you. <laughs> hey, man, uh, you know I gave up my I gave up my playing days in in, uh, in 2015-16 when I was at San Francisco. I, I said this is the last year I'm going to play, and uh, I was with a squad: Dave Liss, Nikki Price, Ryan Duck, my brother Luke. Uh, we're playing in the Presidio Park YMCA. And uh, we won the championship that year, 2015. That was the last time I, I, took, I, did, I did a men's league championship. The last time I, I, I said I was going to lace them up, I went out a champion. But I tell you what, I probably laced them up one more time just for if I could get that introduction on a daily basis, just coming into the office. That would be, that, that would be like a, that's, a top, that's a top five bucket list item for me to just have you follow me around and introduce me to certain things. Well, Coach, I think my playing days are were over in high school. I probably, I'm way out of shape now, but I, I think I'm a lot better at podcasting than I am playing on the court. So you probably run well, circles around me there. Man, I'm, ha- I'm happy to be out here, man. You, you brought back all sorts of nostalgic memories, man. We're talking about Mo West Flesh right now, so I'm, I'm happy to be on. Well, Coach, we're going to get through all that here in just a few minutes. But, Coach, I kind of want to go back to the beginning. Um, Go back um, to talk about some of your favorite childhood memories and – um. What some of your favorite memories were in your high school playing days? Well, it's, it's funny, you know, where I am right now, I, I feel like I'm back at the beginning, right? I'm back in Wyoming, I'm back where it all started. Um, I just, I just remember growing up in, in this place. You, you don't know what you don't know when you're a little kid. The, the beautiful part about life is that you just grow up with, with these, this childlike enthusiasm. And you, you know, you don't get to pick where you're raised. Um, and so being raised in Gillette, Wyoming, I was fortunate enough to to be in a family that really appreciated athletics, that re- really appreciated competitiveness. Um, I just I remember my dad throwing this fir- the first football he threw at me. And he whizzed that bad boy right right at my face. He told me to put my hands up, and I, I batted the ball down. That thing was coming so fast. My dad played football at Washington State. He was a monster man back in the day for the for the Cardiac Cougars. Um, he, he played against O.J. Simpson back when it was the Pac-8. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a real, he's a real dude. He whizzed that ball right at my face. I batted it down. He said, why did you catch it? I said, it's coming too fast. And my dad, my first lesson, my first lesson in athletics was he goes, if you can touch it, you can catch it. And so I, I remember, I'll always remember that just from the idea of you could touch it, you could catch it and getting over that fear of that ball whizzing right at your face. And then, you know, I, I, I grew up loving Jerry Rice and wanted to, you know, wanted to be a professional wide receiver. That was my first dream growing up. I wanted to be a professional wide receiver because of Jerry Rice. Uh, and, and you don't even know until years later when you find out the story that like Jerry Rice wasn't the fastest guy, but he was the fastest guy in pads and just his work ethic and running up mountains. So I still run up hills uh, to this day. If I find a good hill, I like to run up and get a, get a cardio workout in because we had good hills uh, in the outskirts of Gillette on 426 Force Road, back where I was raised. We used to run over to Sagebrush. My dad said, running in, the, running in the hills is good for your ankles. Yet I had two reconstructive ankle surgeries. So I'm not sure all that stuff was true. Um, but growing up in Gillette, man, that, that town is competitive as hell. Uh, it is blue collar, and every and they wanted to win everything. And so I just I just know like in the 1990s, we won nine out of nine, nine state championships from from 1990 to 2000, nine state championships. Um, and I was part of the of the streak that got broken of six consecutive in 1997-98, my junior year for basketball. And that, to me, like, that, that is, the, is one of the biggest memories I tell people all the time is not the four state championships that we won in football and basketball and track, but the one that I helped, that I was a big part of that helped lose the streak in 97, 98. And I think that really shaped, that was the first real form of, of athletic adversity that I'd faced that helped me really shape, helped really shape me as far as how I approach being competitive, how I approach winning and losing, and what that felt like. 
Uh, so if I, you know, you go back to your childhood with your brother and sister, who, my, my younger brother Luke, we're all two years apart. My younger sister, I was the oldest. You just go back to that and learning how to compete from your mom and your dad, and then taking that competition, you know, on the gravel roads at Forest Road with your brother and sister, and just being raised in a competitive environment in a competitive town, uh, where expectations are high. I, I was blessed. I was really blessed. And it, you know, I always say I was I've blessed to have great coaches too. I think it's important. You know, people talk about you are you, you kind of like you, you develop your basketball identity, your coaching identity from the from the the mentors and teachers that you're around um, all the way from the Gillette Bulls, which was our first traveling team. And obviously the Bulls, right, were the hot thing going back in the day. So everybody wanted to replicate the Bulls. And so we were the Gillette Bulls and coached by Monty Wilkins. Uh, his son, Luke Wilkins, was my point guard in high school. And still to this day, I was one of the greatest point guards I've ever played with. Um, and and our head coach, our head coach in Campbell County at the time was Mike Curry, who's the all-time winningest coach in Wyoming basketball history now. I was ninth grade. I had a super impactful coach by the name of, of Jim Henshaw. He's the one who taught me about off-the-court relationships and uh, how you could get more out of a player by, by, by diving into the relationships. He always showed up every open gym. He was the best. Showed up every open gym about 5, 5.30 a.m. at Twin Spruce Junior High. Um, taught you the value of the early morning grind. And so, I, you know, from Monty Wilkins to, to Jim Henshaw and to, to Mike Curry, and then going from Coach Curry to, to Don Meyer, where he, at the time when I was playing for Coach Meyer at Northern State, I mean, he was the all-time winningest coach in, in college basketball history at 923. So I just very, very, very fortunate to be around phenomenal coaches who cared about you and, and were willing to dive into the human being and teach you every single day. Um, and also hold you accountable and say it's not good enough. I, I, I couldn't ask for a better, better upbringing. Well, Coach, uh, let's talk about a little bit of your uh, Northern State career. As you just mentioned, um, you you end up there after your high school playing day. So um, just talk about some of your favorite memories on um, playing basketball there. You know, Aberdeen is a special place. And I say that. I mean, if, you look, if you look right now, you can see that it probably still holds the record for, for attendance in Division II basketball. I mean, it, it might be somewhere now 15 years in a row. I don't know what. It could be 12, 13, 14, 15 years in a row where they've led the nation in Division II attendance for men's and women's basketball games and you're talking you're talking the hub city in Aberdeen South Dakota a town of 30,000 on a good day um, to, to me that's what makes any situation unique is that it doesn't matter if you live in a big place you know a metropolitan place where there's millions of people if, if you don't have people that are that are fanatical about what you do and why you do it or, or the, the program you're around it's not it's not going to be great I mean I remember being at San Francisco and I love my time at University of San Francisco but we're playing Delaware State on a, on a Sunday afternoon at one o'clock, thirty minutes prior to tip-off. There's twenty-five people in War in War Memorial. Twenty-five, I could count them. And, and yet here you are in Aberdeen, South Dakota, where you you could play on a Sunday afternoon at one o'clock, and there would be thirty-five hundred people, forty-five hundred people. I mean, it's just it's just important to those guys. It's important to the town. It's important to the community. Um, and they embrace you. Like that's the bit, you know, what I love about real fans, real culture, real experiences is that the fact that they, they're going to embrace you and they're going to love the fact that you're a wolf, regardless if you do, if you're scoring 20 points, if you're scoring five points, if you're playing, not playing red shirting, they're going to embrace the entire team. Um, and so to me, like that, 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 that experience reigns supreme in my mind uh, for division two. I, I do call it the Mecca of division two basketball. I don't, I don't care what you say or, or how you say it, man, that, you cannot beat the Northern State experience when it comes to Division II college basketball. And quite frankly, there's a lot of Division ones that can't beat the Northern State experience. But what really, what really molded me was playing for Coach Meyer. Now I remember going to Northern State and wanting to be an international business major, thinking I was going to wear three-piece suits every day and, and make millions of dollars, you know. And I was going to be overseas, you know, running a Fortune 500 company. Those are all nice pipe dreams. Uh, you know, when you start thinking about it, my motives and intentions were all wrong for my international business degree. And I love some of my professors in that, in that degree state too, but they were all wrong. When I started playing for Coach Meyer, he taught me what real impact was. He taught, you know, you talk about leaving your legacy. This is kind of the podcast, but he taught me what leaving your legacy looked like. And it's, it's something that carries on over a period of time. And do you leave places better than when you found them? And he just, he impacted me on such a high level on the court, off the court, you know, taught me taught me how to how to be a man in the community, and how to be responsible for your own actions, 
you know, the best ability is availability, showing up every single day, putting in the work. Uh, to me, that, 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 that stop at Northern State for four years changed my life. It changed my life, changed the whole trajectory of my life. I wouldn't be where I'm at right now coaching college basketball if it weren't for Coach Meyer, if it weren't for Northern State. And so I could, I could dive into games won or lost, and at the end of the day, you always remember the losses way more than you remember the wins. I mean, that's why I talked about my high school experience losing the state championship um, streak is because those losses shape you, but it's the impact that's, that's, that, that, you're, that you feel in those moments. It's, they, they, they become blink moments in your life. You just blink and you remember them vividly like it was yesterday. And my whole college career, I could just blink and know that it's, it's shaped up and summed up in, in a couple phrases, life-changing, transformational, impactful. And just being around Coach Meyer every single day, you saw what it was like to lead at a high, high level, to hold people accountable at a high, high level, to, ha- to, expect, to, get, to get greatness expected out of you every single day as a 19-year-old kid when you don't think that you're great or you don't even have a chance to be great and somebody else sees it in you and expects it out of you, it's almost insanity. You're looking at a guy going, why, why, would you, why do you think I'm capable of that? I don't even think I'm capable of that. And that's what, that's what led me to teaching and coaching and, and mentoring and leading is because you can look at somebody and they can't even see it for themselves and you can help mold them and shape them into that person, into that leader, into that all-league player, into, you know, into that future husband or father. Um, that, that, that to me is what, co- when you talk about college career, everybody wants to talk about wins, losses. To me, college career is how it changes your life, how it shapes you and molds you for, for the next 40 years. Uh, it just, it was, it was an unbelievable experience, Cliff. Unbelievable. Well, coach, you had that experience there at Northern state, but, um, I want to talk about, um, real quick before we get back to Northern state, um, your professional career, um, overseas in Sweden, um, with the Cetertalia, um Kings, please forgive me if I've said that wrong, but um, <laughs> Coach, um, just talk about um, your experience playing overseas. I, I love that you said professional career. Uh, I think it was more like a professional cup of coffee. So I took a cup of coffee for about six months, uh, seven months over in Sweden. It, it was a dream, right? It's always a dream for anybody to play professionally, whether that's a year, six months, whatever. Um, I can't believe it actually even happened. I mean, this is before YouTube and all this stuff was really getting getting started, um, when you could really you could really market yourself. I didn't. You know, I was a Division two player, I was an All Conference player. I wasn't even Player of the Year. I was an All Conference player, Division two. You know, and here I am dubbing VHS to VHS, just trying to dub some games. And uh, the the irony of this entire situation is not it's not what you know, it's who you know. And Coach Meyer always ran like the, the best coaching academy. For, in the United States of America, I always had great coaches come in and speak from Dick Bennett, to John Wooden, to Pat Summit, Tubby Smith, Rick Majerus. They had some phenomenal coaches come in and speak. Bill Self from Kansas came and spoke in Aberdeen, South Dakota. And at that clinic, there was a guy by the name of Tommy Hansen. Tommy Hansen was the assistant for the Center Tell You Kings. And he saw me work out in the clinic for Coach Meyer. And when my playing days were over, he emailed me. So would you be interested? I said, well, I'm interested. Would you guys be interested? <laughs> Send us some stuff. So here I am as a, as a 21, 22-year-old kid dubbing VHS to VHS, trying to ship stuff overseas via snail mail so they get it. And, and you know, we're communicating with Coach Torby and Gerke via email. And I'll, I'll never forget it. When they sent me the contract, I was like, this is not real life. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm about to get on a plane and head over to Sweden. And, and play for the center tell you Kings. It's like 45 minutes outside of Stockholm. And I, you know, kid who'd probably never been out of the tri-state area from Denver to Colorado to from Denver to South Dakota and Wyoming. And now here I am going over to Sweden and it just broadened my horizons. And coach Gerke to this day is like, he's the most competitive coach I've ever been around. He's, he's an unbelievable motivator and competitor. And that dude, that dude had earrings all the, all the way up and down his ears. He wore about four rings on his fingers. Uh, he looked like one of those dudes you'd find in a back bar. You're like, you do not want to mess with that guy. Gerke is a stud. And uh, he always called me the white suburban jump shot. That's what he called me. Because I could stroke it now, Cliff. Contrary to popular belief or what anybody else tells you, I had, I had a torch. And he called me the white suburban jump shot. I learned, I learned my first lesson in, in being a professional from Gerke. 
played our first couple of games. I, was, I thought I was playing pretty well, you know, about 12 points, you know, 10 rebounds, you know, playing pretty solid. And he calls me in his office and he goes, do you want to get sent home? What do you mean, coach? You want to get shipped back to the United States of America? Uh, not, not really. I just kind of got here. And he goes, well, then you better start playing like an American. <laughs> I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, we, don't, we didn't get you here to get 12 points and 10 rebounds. We want you to get 20 points and 15 rebounds. We want you to score. We want you to produce. If you don't produce at a high level, we are going to send your ass back to America. And I'm, I'm a pretty quick learner. I said, enough said. That's what you, that's what you need? All right, let, let me go to work. And from that point on, I think it was the only American in the top 20 in every statistical category in the basket league and in Sweden. And we're playing against really good dudes, man. At the time, it's Billy Knight from UCLA, George Gervin Jr., the Iceman's son, who's doing phenomenal things over there still um, in Sweden for, for youth basketball. Big dog J.D. Sanders was the old vet on our team. He was like the Shaquille O'Neal in the Swedish Basket League, and he was 39 years old. Big dog was cra- from Texas Tech. I'll never, Big dog was awesome. Will Coley from UNC Asheville was there. Uh, Brett Nelson from Florida. Brett Wright from Florida played in the league. Uh, it, was a, it was an unbelievable league. I had no idea that all the players that I just watch on television from Pac-12 schools, high major schools were over there playing in Sweden. Here I am, a Division II basketball player playing in Sweden. And they, people are, well, how did you get there? Well, just know there's an opportunity cost for everybody. Instead of telling you, you didn't have the biggest budget at the time, so they could only pay me about $1,700 a month. <laughs> and the guys out there making a lot more money than I was. But, hey, look, if you want an opportunity – Money wasn't an issue for me. I'd have done that thing for $200 a month. Wouldn't have mattered. Um, but we made, we made it to the Final Four of the Swedish Basket League, and I, I blew my back out. I blew my back out. Could, couldn't even play in the fifth and final fifth and final game. Couldn't move. Was in the, was in the locker room at Norshipping. And couldn't even, couldn't even play in the closeout game versus Norshipping to, to go to the Swedish Finals. And it was one of the biggest regrets I have is I couldn't even get up and move. And this is how cool Gerke and that are tell you kings were to me. Uh, you know, if, if you know anything about me, you know I dive into to humanity and the culture. And I, I was I was everywhere in that club, helping youth, helping the young guys in our program. I just loved being around basketball. I loved being around people. I love I love just obviously bringing energy and juice every single day. And that club saw that in me, and they said, "Here's the deal, man. You had such an impact on our young guys that if we make it to this to the basket league and finals next year." We'll fly you back over to come to finals. Because I knew my playing career was done. I was going back to be a GA for Coach Meyer. And sure enough, man, a year later, they're in the Swedish, they're in the finals, the basket league in finals in Sweden. And they, they buy me a plane ticket and fly me over to come watch. I got to celebrate with the Kings. I got to celebrate. I got to drink the champagne and drink all the, all the beer that they had uh, when they won the championship that year. Because they, they said I was a part of it. You talk about a real club, a real club that understands human, hum, the humankind and, and what people give. I'll never forget that, that kindness that was paid to me just for being a good teammate, being somebody who actually cared about other people, uh, to see that kindness reciprocated back to me by the Sinatelli Kings. I'm all, I'll be forever indebted to that experience. Well, Coach, uh, I love how you talked about um, impacting young people. And uh, i tell you what, what a better transition. Um to talking about impacting young people. You started the Arizona Power Basketball Academy, and um, I want to read off some a few of the names on this list for people that are going to be listening to this. I mean, you've trained people like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi Leonard needs no introduction. I mean, Alec Burks is another name. I remember Alec Burks in his career at Grandview High School here around in Kansas City. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is another name. Marvin Bagley is a name that you've trained. Just talk about starting the academy and just talk about training just these great athletes. Well, you know, I'll, I'll kind of do a little precursor here. But so Arizona Power Basketball Academy was started after I did an internship at Impact Basketball Academy in Vegas. And Impact is where, where the pros go. That's where the best, that's where the best go and train. Um, and Impact is run by David Bunasar at the time that the, the lead skills trainer and director of it was, was Andrew Moore who I loved and I learned a ton from on a daily basis. And that's the pre-draft academy, right? So in 2011, the pre-draft class was Kawhi Leonard. It was Alec Burks, Jimmer Fredette in that class. You got some pretty good players. Isaiah Thomas, who was the last pick in the draft, right? Mr. Irrelevant, so to speak. The last pick in the draft, who ended up and is still having a hell of a career. 
And it's just, you just never know what's going to happen in life. And so when I'm in impact and, and I want to say this, I was a, I was a glorified manager at impact. I was, I was a pup watching Andrew Moore and Joe Abunasar do their thing. And I got to, I got to get in workouts with guys and I got to be a glorified rebounder in most cases. Um, I got to lead a couple of the lower level workouts, but watching those guys work with those NBA guys and being, being around on a daily basis, I think you learn the value of showing up, right? That's the one thing I talked about when you, lessons from leaders or lessons from high achievers or elite, elite individuals or elite athletes is their consistency is at such a high level, Clint. They show up every day with the same mentality and they know that they are, they've, they've distorted their competitive re- reality. They're coming in to get better than what they were yesterday. I know that sounds cliche, but it absolutely is. They're just trying to, trying to defeat who they were yesterday so they can become better today. And guys like Kawhi showed up every single day and just, I mean, you know, he's a pretty quiet dude to begin with, but just worked and worked and worked and went from being a guy who was told, he, you know, he probably wasn't going to get drafted very high because he couldn't shoot, but he had, he had all these other intangibles, shooting shot after shot every night, coming back in, getting extra work so that he could get to the point where he could become a 60% shooter in spot shooting. So the Spurs would draft him to, to Isaiah Thomas who every day showed up. I'll never forget this. Isaiah Thomas shows up with, with kind of his own film crew, right? Here's, here's a little dude, and I say little me. His, his, his height is, is bigger on the Internet than he is in person. And he'll tell you he's, he's taller, but he is, he is not little by any stretch of the imagination when it comes to competitiveness and intensity and how hard he works. And Josh Selby, who was at Kansas at the time, had entered a draft, and I remember Kansas, I remember Josh just kind of making fun of me, like, man, what are you doing with all those cameras, man? Why are you bringing all those cameras in here? <laughs> and, and, and Isaiah just looks at him and goes, well, I brought these cameras in here just so y'all, y'all can be on my show later. So when I get drafted, you could be in my documentary. And that mentality is something that lacks nowadays. The Isaiah Thomas mentality of you don't even believe it. But I've already seen this, and I've already believed this in my heart and soul. I'm, I'm willing to put all of this in the universe. I'm willing to put all of this process on camera because I know what's about to happen. And when he gets drafted 60th that night, and then the rest is history, how he just blows up in the NBA, getting traded from Sacramento, goes to Boston and blows up and becomes a legend. I mean, to me, like that's, those are the lessons of, of consistency, of showing up, of belief, of watching the high achievers every single day, just basically, they don't, they don't just destroy you. They let you destroy yourself. That's the, is, is the, the, oh man, I bet, he, I bet he just buried you. He, they bury you with their work ethic. They bury you by showing up every day when you want to sleep in or you want to go out and party the next night and you're not ready to go. They bury you with their habits. That's where they destroy you. Is that you can look at anybody who's high functioning, who's high achieving, and just know that their habits are better than, than those that are, that are failing at a high level. Just every day. And, and, and they're not immense. They're just the little things every single day showing up and being better. And to me, like, that's what Kawhi taught me. That's what Isaiah Thomas taught me. I was there with Xavier Silas, who, who had, you know, 12 or 13 NBA, NBA pre-draft workouts. And just, just a guy who every day, Still showed up every single day and, and made, made a name for himself and made a career for himself in the G League and got some 10-day t- call-ups and played overseas. Basically a journeyman, journeyman and Xavier Silas is now still uh, an assistant coach in the G League. And he's just because he, he will beat you. It's a war of attrition. He will beat you with his habits. He'll continue to show up every single day. And some of those guys that were high, high-level dudes, man, going into that draft, just never, never saw the light of day. And that's, that's, that's the sad case of all this stuff. It's very few people that get that opportunity to be professional basketball players. But, train, but being at Impact gave me, gave me purpose when I was in transition of, of being out of a job from Northern Illinois. When I was in transition, Impact gave me purpose. And Ryan McNeil, who owned Power MMA and Fitness, or who was the manager, the, the gym manager, Power MMA and Fitness in Gilbert, Arizona, was owned by... Aaron Simpson, UFC fighter, C.B. Dalloway, UFC fighter, Ryan Bader, UFC fighter, and Mike Miller, who played for the Miami Heat at the time, were all part owners of this MMA gym. And there was a, there was a quarter court, basically like a, a racquetball court turned basketball court in the back of an MMA gym in Gilbert, Arizona. Ryan McNeil told me, he taught me about belief without seeing, right? He, he goes, 
I believe that you could turn this this little quarter court into one of the best basketball training facilities in Arizona. And I'm sitting there looking at this place, and I'm going, man, there's a structural beam on the right three-point line. That that thing doesn't move. That holds the building up. Like, you, can, you don't even get a full court out of this. I get a full half court out of this, Clifton. And we built, AB, we built APBA, Arizona Power Basketball Academy, from the ground up, from zero clients in August of 2011 to 75 in, in about March of, of 2012 to 36 AAU programs and a training academy that, that, that housed over 350 kids, you know, in, in the course of its, its training, training hours. Um, and then eventually moved into a gym in Gilbert, Arizona, out of Gilbert Christian High School with angel investors and philanthropist Doug Fournier and, and Tim Benson that basically saw, saw a bigger vision for it and wanted to move it on. I mean, it, it, you can't make this stuff up, man. The, everywhere you go in your life, if you're about the right stuff, the right people are going to find you and the right opportunities are going to present themselves. But you also got to have a little bit of – you got to have the balls, man, to go do it, to start something from scratch or to start over. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my life I felt like I've started over. I mean, been up, went down, started over. Been up, went down, started over. And every time I've started over, it's been a rebirth of who I was as a human. It's been a rebirth of my passions. And great things have been, have been born from that. I mean, and that, that, you know, that takes you back to basically Northern State, where that, that is a whole different set of, of greatness. That I that I fell upon, uh, but yeah, man. I mean, you talk about the experience at Impact with those guys, and and then APBA. Marvin Bagley was awesome at Arizona Power Basketball. Marvin Bagley was awesome. I'm, I'll never forget. I mean, he was the number one eighth grader in the country. This dude's six foot ten in eighth grade, and he was coming in and training with guys that were going to Oregon. Jordan Bell, who was at Oregon, who got drafted by the Golden State Warriors, he's coming in and training with dudes like that. And you're like, this eighth grader is legit. He's legit running the workout. At six foot ten, his motor was different. His family, man, they went everywhere together to still. I love how tight his family was. They were always about the right stuff when it came to working with us. And just, I mean, from from Marvin to Marcus to Martre, the youngest. You haven't even seen Martre yet. Wait till Martre Bagley comes up. I offered Martre Bagley when I was at Missouri Western, by the way, and he was like in fifth grade. <laughs> I hope that I hope, I hope Will Martin get that offer alive soon. <laughs> so. Um... So, Coach, um, I want to talk about um, the road to Missouri Western. You've had some assistant stops at um, San Francisco, obviously. Um, San Francisco is one of the places of uh, northern Illinois. Um, Colorado was one. Um, but you get your, your first head coaching opportunity right here in St. Joseph at Missouri Western. Um, what attracted you to Missouri Western? Well, I think we got it all wrong here, Clifton. I think we got it all wrong, man is you don't realize, and most people don't realize this too, is like, you don't find the job, the job finds you. When I was at Northern State, man, we were making our national championship run. I was not on the hunt. I wasn't out there hunting for, for jobs. They just kind of, they kind of come to you based on the work you do. Um, and, and, and Josh Looney, I'll ne- you know, you always got to know this about Josh. Josh has a plan. He's always has a plan. He's very calculated. And he knows what he wants. And he, he puts it out there and I'll never forget sitting in a Holiday Inn with Mike Halloran and Josh Looney during the Elite Eight and just kind of going about, you know, supposed to be maybe about an hour and a half, ends up about two and a half, three hours, just talking, going back and forth, asking me every single question in the book, asking me about what it was like being fired, what I learned from being fired, um, really open and transparent convo. Just because, you know, that's the first part of the processes. And I didn't realize it at the time, but when we played down in the Hilliard Classic that year with Northern State. Josh had seen me and my energy kind of going around the gym and just kind of how I presented myself. And that's why I always tell, like, young, play, young players, young coaches, you never know who's watching. If you want to be a head coach someday, you never know who's watching. As a player, if you want to be a pro someday, you never know who's watching. If you want more opportunity, you never know who's watching. So make sure that you're always presenting yourself in, in, in that type of manner, you know, not for the job you have, but maybe the job you want or the position you want. And Josh started targeting me, and, and that, the, the irony of this entire situation, I wouldn't even say it's more irony as much as it is just the universe conspiring to help you achieve something, is that we played at the Hilliard Classic at the start of the year versus Missouri West or versus Northwest Missouri and Washburn. Went one and one, obviously lost to Northwest. We go back up 
right? We have a heck of a year, and the regional ends up being back down at Northwest. So here, here we are again. I'm staying, we're staying at the Stony Creek Hotel two times that year. I'm like, never in my life did I ever think I'd be in St. Joseph, Missouri once, let alone twice that year for the regional, because there are no hotels in, in Maryville. I mean, God bless them, but there's no hotels up in that place. And so we all have to stay down at Stony Creek. And we stay down at Stony Creek. And that's the second time this year. So then Josh gets to watch us in the regional. We end up winning the regional. Justin Pitts gets turfed toe by happen chance. He doesn't play against Minnesota State. Mankato, Mankato beats him. We end up beating Mankato in the regional championship to go to the Elite Eight. What, what an experience, right? So pretty cool stuff all the way around. We're at the Elite Eight. Get a call from, from Josh. Hey, can we sit down? Can we meet? Can we have a little, little conversation? They drive up, have a conversation on one of the off days in between games. And then you got like this random dude who's coming up, you know, after the national championship game. He's got a camera. He's a creepy guy. He's this camera. He's like, hey, man, he take some shots of you and follow you around while you're doing the interview and stuff like this. I'm Ryan Menley. I'm like, who the hell is Ryan Menley? And why is this guy following me all over the place after we just lost the national championship? Creepy, creepy guy, by the way. I'm not sure if you know him, Clifton, but he's a creepy guy. <laughs> that dude is one of my best friends i'll tell you what uh this podcast wouldn't be here without ryan menley but um coach continue on with your story yeah i you know i'm just giving him crap i, don't, I want menley to hear this and give him crap but he's following me around the camera and he said we'll be in touch that's how you love you like we'll be in touch I'm like what is this cia this is cia what is this uh we'll be in touch and so literally we lose a national championship i'm on the bus we're on the bus headed back to the northern state and get a call like, hey, we want to bring you down on the on-campus interview. <laughs> like, can you? We'll have, we'll have a plane at the Aberdeen Airport for you. I'm like, this is happening. Little, this is happening real fast right now. And you know, God rest his soul. You know, miss him to death. Bob Norton, right? Nor, Air, Air Norton one meets us up at the Aberdeen Aberdeen International Airport and flies us down. St. Joseph, I get to spend a lot of quality time. One of the first guys I ever met, man. The first guy I ever met was Bob Norton, man. Bob Norton. And um, flies us down there. We do the whole interview. I mean, it's, it just seems like a blur to me. Brett Easley picks me up in a in his little blazer and his, his, his little smoker's jacket that he got probably on sale somewhere at a at a polo Ralph Lauren that his wife would let him buy. Still to this day, one of the best dressed man. I love I love Brett Easley's swagger style. Okay, that's my guy. And picks me up in the in the car. We roll around town. He gives me the tour of St. Joseph. We go through all the interview process. You know, just everybody's involved. Everybody in the athletic department, all, all the all the Golden Griffins, man, all the all the legends, all the legends, Zach Workins of the world, the Meyer Hoffers, all the legends are there. And um, sitting at the at Boudreaux's with Josh, it's like the, I'm, I'm exhausted. About 8:30 at night, sitting at Boudreaux's. And Josh looks at me and he goes, well, what'd you think? Gave my, gave my thoughts. Love it, man. It's a great place. You guys got a lot of stuff set up here for success. Love Josh's leadership and vision. Loved all the coaches. Does produce go Jim Bagley Trotter, Chad Edwards. I mean, loved them all. Rob Edison, you know, can't, can't forget Rob. Matt Williamson, can't forget them all, man. It's unbelievable stuff. And, um, what do you, you know, Coach Carbon. Jeez, Coach Carbon. Can't forget about Coach Carbon. What do you think? I love it, man. Well, we'd like to offer you the job. And, and the point of this is you don't find a job, the job finds you. Josh knew what he wanted. He went after it. I mean, most people out there are scared to go hire an assistant who's never been a head coach because what does everybody want? They all want head coaching experience. But the dude saw something in me that he believed in me that I could do something for that university that hadn't been done in a long time, 10 years, in Tom Smith's heydays. And because of that belief, because of somebody's belief in you, I don't think leaders, I think they're losing the idea that because you give belief or you believe in somebody, that that person now recognizes what you just gave them, because belief is the most powerful thing you can give anybody, a belief in somebody. Because of what you just gave me, I will never let you down. I will, I will never not work my butt off for you. I will never not make sure. This is going to be a great program, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be sustainable. We're going to have success. We're going to win because of what you believe. Because you believe in me, I believe in you, and I'm not letting you down. I think so many times people are like, well, you're a good coach. You know, 
we hired a we won the we won the press conference. We made a splash splash hire. We hired a we hired a big name college coach. He's going to do great things because he's done great things at other places. Just because you did great things at other places doesn't mean you'll do great things at that place. The belief in is still required, and and so like that lesson right there. You talk about leaving a legacy. You know, the power of belief. That's why that's why we were successful at, North, at, at, at Missouri Western. Period. Bar none. That's why we were successful at Northern State. Why? Because what we believed, how we believed, how hard we believed, and at Missouri Western. And Will Martin sent me the roster of what we had when we we went from 12 and 18 to 18 and 14 the next year. We went 12 and one at home. He sent me that roster. He goes, "How did you win with this roster? How did we win with those guys? I mean, we were a band of misfits." But Tyus Milholland, Tyrell Carroll, Tyree Martin, Bo Baker, Jonathan Nesmach, Reese Glover, Jaron Thames, like just, just dudes that believed at a high level. And we ended, we ended up flipping it like that because we, we believed in protecting Looney. We believed in, in making our home court something to be proud of. And that's all because the leadership at the top believed as well. So that, that, that's, that's, it, wasn't, it wasn't why I chose Missouri Western. I wanted to be a head coach. Missouri Western chose me. Josh Looney chose me. And when Josh, when Josh Looney put his stamp down and said, I want you to be the next head coach there, there was no way we weren't, we weren't succeeding, period. Well, Coach, you had um, that amazing second year at Missouri Western. Um, uh, most, most wins in the program in 10 years. Um, you talked about that incredible home court um, record that season. Um, you get an offer that season to go back home to the University of Wyoming. Um, talk about how all that came together. Um, all these things come together in a way that you can't explain, right? I mean, period. I mean, it's, 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 hard, it's hard for anybody who's not in the, in the business to understand how the business essentially works, where you could be, you know, at your, you could literally just had a practice with your squad or, you know, done a, done a postseason workout and then, you know, a random call at 1145 on a, on a Saturday night, you know, the coach is calling and asking if you, if you want to be a part of the new program. And, and I think people are starting to understand a little bit more now with the transfer portal too, what it's like, you know, for kids to just, the you know, opportunity comes knocking, you, you have to make hard decisions. Um, and, and those decisions encompass a lot of people, right? They encompass the family, they encompass your squad, your, your staff. Uh, and, I, and I think making that decision, I had to really look at, one, what was the state of the program? Two, if, if I left, would the program be in great hands, which we all know it is with Coach Martin? Um, three, w- would this be an opportunity I would regret if I didn't take? Right, and I would have regretted the opportunity if I would if I would have said no to Josh Looney in 2018. I would have totally regretted that. It was a, it was like one of the best experiences of my entire life was coaching Missouri Western. I was there for two years, and it was it was transformational, life changing in, in in the sense of like what those two years meant to me, what it, what it meant to be able to lead a program, what it meant to be able to to mentor and recruit your own kids, uh, your own players, have a staff that you loved and trust, and Ty and Weston. And Nate Moran, and especially Coach Martin, um, you know, you, those those things all factor in. But you know what people don't, people don't ever realize is what it's like. Like I told you, starting practice from the beginning, growing up in Wyoming, being a Wyoming cowboy, being born in the brown and gold, and to get an opportunity to come back to University of Wyoming. Um, in my heart of hearts, it just felt like something something was pulling me this way, pulling my family this way, getting me back to my roots, uh, helping ground me a little bit. And obviously the rest is history, right? You know, the, the year I leave, Coach Martin goes to the NCAA tournament at Missouri Western. Oh, you talk about things happening for a reason. I can't say that it would have happened had I been there. All I know is Coach Martin led Missouri Western to the NCAA tournament. First time in a long time. And then we get to Wyoming, and Coach Linder and our staff leads, leads, this, leads this program who hasn't been to the NCAA tournament in a long time, especially at large bids, 20, 20 years since at large bids at the NCAA tournament. Uh, most wins in 70 years here. You talk about things happening for a reason and, be, and, 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 move, and making moves that are special and meaningful, and you can only connect the dots looking backwards, as Steve Jobs always says, you know, things happen for a reason. And I think 
everybody was needed at, at different transitions in the stage. Coach, Mar- Coach Martin was needed at Missouri Western to help transition them through the COVID era. Um, and Coach Linder was needed here to help transition Wyoming through the COVID era. And I, I got to be along for the, for the beautiful ride, and I got to be a big part of a beautiful ride here, which I couldn't have scripted a, a more fairy book story for me coming back to Wyoming and being able to go to the NCAA tournament. Knowing that I've worked at the Division One level two times and, and got fired from – our staffs got fired from both jobs at Northern Illinois and, and San Francisco. So to be able to come back, it, it teaches you that, you know, failure is necessary, man. Anybody who runs from it is a coward. Force failure in your life. Force yourself to get out of your damn comfort zone. Force yourself to do things that maybe are a little bit uneasy and, 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 and require a little bit of risk or calculated risk. And if you do that, on the other side of that, you're going to find some success. You're going to experience something that you probably couldn't experience had you just stayed in your comfort zone. You know, what if you decided not to do the podcast, Clifton? What if you just said, well, I'm just going to sit back here and I, I, somebody else will do it. Had you decided not to do it, well, you wouldn't be having these impactful conversations, all right, that not only help you, but your listeners. And to me, it's, it's, it's those little decisions in life that make massive impacts. Coach, I had to step back and kind of reflect on that for a little, for a minute there. Um, I'll tell you what, um, I thank you for the kind words on that. And um, it truly is, you know, life is truly about a decision. You just have to make a decision. And, you know, that decision, you could very well sink or swim. But the fact of the matter is you made the decision. You made the, you took the courage to do whatever you wanted to do with you. It was uh, coaching. And with me, it was the podcast. You know, you just have to make, have the courage to make those decisions and then follow through with it. So. So, Coach, um, I want to transition to a little bit of a lighter topic here. Um, there was a story that surfaced a couple of years ago on the Griffin Sports Insider um, YouTube page about um, how your sister was a nun. And you went wrong. You, you played her in a one-on-one game of horse. And you got she beat you on a half-court shot. Um, can, you walk, um, can you walk the listeners through that whole story? Listen, you know, first of all, it's none on one. All right. So anytime you play a none, it's none on one. It's not one on one. Okay. So just so we're clear on that. It's none on one. And and secondly, horse horse would have I would have had her in horse. You know, she did yeah, you know, as, as as much as the Catholic sisters are awesome in the Dominican convent, I, I feel like they lack the patience to actually play horse. They wanted to play pig. Um and now this this, this whole story starts because there's a there's a witch family tradition, it's called gotcha last. Right, gotcha last. And I don't care if that's my aunts, my uncles, my, my brothers, my sisters. You always want to try to get somebody last so that you hold something over them for a period of time. Gotcha last. It might be freaking tag, man. I might tag you and say, gotcha last. I'm on the I'm on the plane to the airport. In the airport, you can't touch me. I got you last. I win. And so we're playing these other little micro games that the sisters got. They got tennis over there. And finally, I see the hoop, and we're at, we're at the top of the Dominican convent in Nashville, Tennessee, and there's there's a lot of wind swirling around, Clifton. And I'm like, look, we're gonna play we're gonna play pig here. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. None on one. I, I whipped your butt, right? I, it's it's not even you're you're in a habit. It's not fair, all right? You probably haven't 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 worked out the way I worked out. I smacked you. I smacked my sister. I got I got you last in one in none on one. Well, she's like, well, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to leave here yet. I mean, we still got, we got, still got some time here. Let's go, let's go play some pig. Let's play some pig. Okay, gotcha. And my sister, you got to understand, my sister's a pretty damn good basketball player. She played at, played at Notre Dame. Um, she had, you know, she ran against the buzzsaw of Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. She ran against the UConn buzzsaw at a high level. Um, but they, she was, a, she was a stud. Kelsey was a stud now. And Sister Joan of Arc at the time, as she's, as she's, as she's so succinctly distinctly known. Sister Joan of Arc was on the hills of Nashville. She understands how the winds operate up there, the swirling winds of the Dominican convent. And we're playing pig, and it's P.I. to P.I., and she's got all of her little sister friends hanging around the court, because they just, you know, they're pretty competitive too now. They're competitive in a different realm. Uh, They'll pray for your soul at a high level, which we all need, just so we're clear on that. (laughs) Like, everybody needs somebody to pray for their soul. They're pretty competitive too. When they start, when they start seeing People get after and they start seeing to get a little intense. You know, they start talking a little nun trash. Start talking a little sister trash. Uh, out there dancing around in their habits, cheering on Sister Joan of Arc. And uh, I miss a shot to kind of put her away. It was a bank shot from the right corner three. I was going to bank it in, let the chain net pop a little bit. And I missed a shot. 
And she goes, oh, it's over, big boy. And I said, you're full of crap right now. So you're full of crap. And she, she, she prances herself back to the half-court line over there at the Hill of Nashville. And she kind of spins the ball in her hands a couple times, and she's, she's looking up in the net. And, and the sisters are over there. like I, They're probably saying like a prayer for her. And it's not fair because if God is on her side, then I was screwed to begin with, correct? So they're probably saying something like, like that couple of Hail Marys over there for a while. She, while she heaves up this half-court shot, and she drills it. And I, I knew at that moment, like, it was, I mean, it was over. Like, those, I had no belief in my ability to hit that half-court shot up there, just in the swirling winds of the Dominican convent in Nashville, Tennessee. And she's over there just hop-skipping and jumping and prancing around with her, with her, with her sisters. And they're, and they're high-level talking trash. And she looks at me, and she goes, got you last. And I said, this sucks. Because I, 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 I can never replicate that. I can never live that one down. Like to this day, even though she lives in Denver now, she works for the Catholic News Agency, you know, she's an hour and a, hour and a half away from me. I'll never be able to live that gotcha last down. Because I don't know if she'll ever play me again, period. Uh, I think she's running from the comp. And this is a little shout-out to, to Kelsey right now, my sister. But I think she's running from it, but she'll never play me again. Plus, she's flying all over the world doing, doing powerful things for, for, for CNA. So, yeah, that, that is the, the, hills, the hills of Nashville, none-on-one, that turned into to a gotcha last game of pig, Clifton. Coach, that, that that's an incredible story. <laughs> that's an incredible I mean, story. You, you'll have to attach the you'll have to attach the Ryan Bentley video to that because it it kind of tells it kind of it, it paints the picture with those it paints the picture with his video that he that he made. Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely have that. I definitely have that link saved on my YouTube page, so I'm definitely gonna attach that to with this uh, with this podcast. But coach, my last question to you. Um. We, we, we've alluded to this several times here on the podcast that this is called Leaving Your Legacy. Um, you've had a tremendous career so far, but I want to talk about legacy. Um, what do you think, when, when your career is over coaching, what kind of legacy do you want to leave and how do you want people to remember you when your career is all said and done? Great question, man. And... It's, it's it's a hard, I told you this before, I think it's a hard question to answer because you get so immersed in the day-to-day and what you're trying to do on a daily basis that uh, you don't often think about impact and your audience, whether that's current audience or former audience or future audience. You don't ever know where you're going to be or, what's, or how life's going to transition you. But I do know this, selfish dreams don't come true. And And you can dream all you want to, but if you're just dreaming selfishly just for you and just how it's going to affect you and how it's going to impact you, that, that, ain't, that ain't the dream that's going to come true. I, I think when, when you dream big, when you dream about the impact of those around you and helping other people and bringing people with you and leaving, leaving the place, as Coach Meyer always said, leaving the place better than when you found it, I, I think that's an impact that can last. I think that's a legacy that can last. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think I've... I, I think I've only answered this question one other time on another podcast when somebody asked me about leaving, leaving your legacy, but I'm going to, I'm going to answer it to the same effect. I mean, success is subjective, right? It's not objective. It's based on the subject. It's based on me. So like some people could say success is money. Other people could say success is impact. Um, I think your passion and your purpose in life can help you define success. What's successful for you? What success looks like for you? Um, I think having that passion, that, that juice, that spirit to go away actually and, and have the guts to go pursue, you know, your purpose, to go out there and really live your purpose every single day of trying to leave the, the place better than you found it. And let's talk macro first, man. The legacy for me is just, is today when I walk out of this office, when I walk out of University of Wyoming, did I, did I, did I impact anybody today? Did I help anybody else maybe find a, a different way of looking at something or, or help that I help anybody else, you know, did they, did they listen to this podcast and go, I've never thought of it that way. I like that perspective, but did I help somebody say, you know what, maybe I should challenge my comfort zone a little bit. Maybe I should get out of the rut that I'm in, make the conscious choice to go do something a little bit dangerous, a little bit different, a little daring, take a little calculated risk today. Um, me, that, that's, that's all that matters is the former players I've ever had, anybody I've ever worked with. Will they, will they look back at my life? And will they come to my funeral? And I look at that. Will they look back at my life, come to my funeral? And at that funeral, when they're when they're sitting up there and they're 
drinking some beers because at my funeral I want I want beer, I want pizza and wings. That's what I want. I want everybody to have beer. I want everybody or wine. I mean I'd, I'll drink a red wine with some Domino's every now and then. But beer, wine, pizza, wings. Sit down, tell some stories, and and talk about how I left your how I left your life. Did I leave your life? Did I when I left this earth? Did I did I leave did I leave a mark on you? that made you better than when I found you than before we'd ever met. And it could be a small thing, man. It could be a, we always take things from everybody, man. Cliff, and I'm going to take that energy that you brought in the intro today. I'm going to take that with me, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm keeping, I'm bottling that shit up. I'm taking that with me. That changed, that changed my outlook of this interview just by the way you started it. As he said, it could be as impactful as, as, a, as a moment. It could also be as impactful as a career or a year, or seasons, all these things can add up for us in life. And so to me, like, when I, when I look back and, I, and you ask me if I want to leave a legacy, what type of legacy will I leave? I want to leave a legacy that, that helps others, that helps others impact others. That paying forward type of motto, man. Anybody that I've ever been around, they take anything from me, I hope it's that they bring their own damn juice. They bring their own damn juice, man. They're the CEO, they're the chief energy officer. They own their damn energy, and they bring that relentless, engaging, positive forward-looking energy towards everything that they do and and they continue to pay it forward for others in life because I'm not here without other people. I'm not here without impactful coaches. I'm not here with, you know, people like Ryan Menley, you know, Pete Gray. As I thought about Pete Gray while we're doing this podcast. I'm not here without Josh Mooney. I'm not here without Will Martin or Nate Moran or Ty Danielson or Wesley Smith, or Tyus Milholland or Tyrell Carroll. I'm not, I'm not in the position I am today without Carter Evans or Logan Doyle or Ian Smith, Darren Paterka or Gabe King, DJ Pollard, Paul Sather, Don Meyer. I can, I can go down a list. I'm not here. All right? I'm not doing what I'm doing today, what I love to do, without the people that impacted me in such a way. So leave your legacy, man. Don't make it about you. Make it about the others. Around. Make it about the others. Think about those around you, and let's 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 build the army of energy givers, right? Let's build the army of infinite energy givers. That's the legacy, brother. That's the legacy. Wow, coach, you've taught me you've taught me a lot during this interview. I felt like I was uh, I felt like I didn't do an interview. I felt like I've done an interview, but I felt like I was at a Tony Robbins presentation. <laughs> <laughs> you were able to drop there. And these are going to be nuggets that I'm going to absolutely um, put to action as far as doing the podcast. Um, Coach, Coach Wicks, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, making time out of your busy, busy time there at the University of Wyoming, um, having this conversation with me. And I want to thank you so much again. And I wish you and your entire staff out there at Wyoming the best of luck building that basketball program. You're the man, man. I look forward to I look forward to reading more and listening to more Cliff Notes, brother. That's a great that's a great name. You should never never lose that name. Just make sure you trademark that right now. Cliff Notes. Coach, I'm gonna get to work on that here right now. Thank you so much for coming on. You got it, brother.